Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And you know what time of year it is. It is bowl season. We finally made it. It's the end of the college football season. We've got a whole lot of interesting matchups across the Big Ten. And here on this episode today, we're breaking down all of them. Well, all of them except for two. Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, Georgia, the college football playoff semifinals are getting their own in-depth, full episodes. We'll be uploading those sometime in the next few days. So stay on the lookout for that. We promise we'll let you know over on our social media channels at First and 1G when those go up. But in the meantime, we've got a number of bowl games across the rest of the Big Ten to talk about. And here to break it all down with me in Nashville, Tennessee, it's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Pat. Yeah, you and I are both we're back in Indianapolis and Nashville. Just like um, Exactly. Just like the old beginning era of the First and Ten. Um, you know, all the way through most of last year, even summer. Yeah. Yeah. We love the, um, you know, we love being back home for the holidays. One of the best part of the holidays is bowl season and getting to see, you know, lots of matchups you don't normally see. And and I'm really excited for this big 10 slate this season. I think we have a really good slate of games to watch. Absolutely. A a really good slate of games. I think some of these are are really fascinating matchups and even with opt-outs kind of changing the optics of, of some of these games, who's in, who's out, really does make some of these matchups a little less interesting than they'd be if they were happening in the regular season. And I think that's its own issue. And one we actually talked about on last season's bowl season episode a lot. And uh, and I got pretty heated about it, I, I will admit. But that was an issue we worried about last year. Not going to talk about it right now. Right now, I, I still think, regardless of that, there are some great matchups here for us to look at and certainly some other interesting moves that have happened in the big 10 that we have to talk about too, including a new head coach hiring. We'll get to it later. Don't worry, Purdue fans. But in the meantime, let's kick this episode off the way we kick off every preview episode. It's time for our, what to watch for's read. What do you have to watch for in bowl season? Hey, you know, you were talking about opt-ins and opt-outs and, and really my, what to watch for is, is, concerning that very topic because if you look at this pinstripe bowl it's minnesota versus syracuse looks like a really good battle of running backs between mo ibrahim and sean tucker but sean tucker's opted out mo ibrahim unless you know he opts out in the next few days he is still opted in to play in this game and i think that could be something to look for uh because i mean first of all he's just he's one of the top running backs out there and you know he's been recognized by some as comeback player of the season um you know he, he course missed last season with an injury and I think he's really impressed down the stretch this year I think this game could be a real you know last hurrah game for Mo Ibrahim potentially having something to prove as a final push before he gets into the draft because I think Mo Ibrahim has some serious potential for the future but he's just not one of the hotter names out there um, when you think about running back prospects entering this, this draft class so I think he can really kind of establish himself give scouts and give fans analysts everything a little bit more to think about and talk about so I think we could see a seriously good performance from Ibrahim in this final game of his Minnesota career in the final game of Minnesota season. And you talked about opt-outs and guys not playing. Even at that running back position, you, you mentioned Ibrahim playing in this pinstripe bowl. Guy not playing in it is Sean Tucker, the running back for Syracuse. I know you've talked about him plenty throughout the course of this show. And I'm definitely not pleased with the fact that he's not going to be out there just because I like watching him play. Thank you for letting me make the jokes with how his, his tweets always go after games. But uh, I think that changes the, the calculus for Syracuse, too, because both of these offenses have been run heavy. Both of these offenses have tended to struggle at points of the season. But one of these offenses is going to have its bell cow running back and the other is not. And I think that kind of gives you an answer for who is and isn't going to win this game, especially when you talk about Minnesota not having their quarterback uh, and Tanner Morgan and, and having to rely on, on the backup with Athens. Um, 
it feels like Ibrahim is going to be leaned on a lot heavier than he would be otherwise. Yeah, but I think Ibrahim, especially like I said, in his last game in his career, I think there's there's going to be a little bit of an extra push on him, and I think he can mm, handle I that like kind that. of burden. So uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to a, a strong performance from Minnesota this game. I think we're going to see it. I like it. I like it a lot, Reed. All right, that's what Reed's got to watch for, and what I have to watch for this week in bowl season. It's Revenge of the Utes. We remember it last year, a Rose Bowl classic, Utah, Ohio State, met in Pasadena and played one of the best college football games I think any of us have ever watched, the, the kind of game that reminds you just how special this, this sport is. But for as great as Utah played, they didn't win. They fell short to the Buckeyes in that Rose Bowl game, but they've got another shot. The, the Utes, champions of the Pac-12 once again. Last year they beat Oregon. This year they beat Southern Cal. Right now, Utah going back to the Rose Bowl, another Big Ten blue blood in that game against them. Penn State, who haven't made a Rose Bowl since, well, that magical Rose Bowl they played back in 2017 against USC and a game Penn State lost. So Penn State's got revenge on their minds trying to reclaim a Rose Bowl that they didn't win last time they were there. But those guys are, aren't the same guys who are on that team right now, uh, even if James Franklin's still the coach. So there is still some connection to that game. But for Utah, I think even more so, revenge is on their mind. They're not happy with how it ended last year. They've got another shot to do it. I think these are two very evenly matched teams, two very good teams. Really, I'm as excited for this game as I am for any of the college football playoffs, Reed. This feels like it could be one of the best games we've seen in a while. Yeah, I mean, we the Rose Bowl in, in recent history has just been an unbelievable game. There's that Penn oh, State-USC classic, the Georgia-Oklahoma game. There was a great Oregon-Wisconsin game. And then, of course, last season's Ohio State-Utah shootout was thrilling. So I think this really could be another one. I think the Rose Bowl is one of the games that – really can like you said it, it delivers and it's it's kind of fascinating how it almost always uh you know tends to be this good of a game i think we have another potential classic on our hands and you know i think this is one we'll talk to it talk about it in a bit but um like you said lots of interesting storylines going into this game and this this could be an all-time right don't want to jinx it you know maybe it's not quite the commentator's curse because we're not commentators in the game but you know i don't want to curse this one um, by talk about hyping it up too much, but uh, that's one I'm looking forward to almost as much as the playoff games. How could you not be looking forward to this, man? This, this is going to be such an awesome game of football. I cannot wait for that Rose Bowl game. Speaking of it, uh, let's talk about our uniform matchup of the week, Reed, because I've got this game as our uniform matchup. I know last season going into the Rose Bowl, everybody was talking about the uniforms that Utah was wearing just being Utterly pristine. No complaints for me about those, particularly the helmets with the interlocking U of U and the rose going through the middle of it. I'm under the assumption, I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. I'm under the assumption, though, that Utah will be wearing that same helmet. I don't know what jerseys they'll be wearing. I like all their jersey options, though. I think they'll be going with something probably similar to what they wore last year uh, because it was such a hit. I'd be surprised if they didn't. But I'd be even more so surprised if they didn't wear that beautiful rose bowl inspired helmet with the rose through the middle how could you not love it that's one of my favorite parts of the rose bowl is is the special rose inspired uniforms really hoping they pull those out and uh in hopes of them doing it i'm, I'm gonna put them as the uniform match for the week and on the flip side yeah penn state's uniforms are classic it just looks right seeing them in a rose bowl even if they're not traditional big 10 so to speak they've been in the conference for 30 years but uh there's something right about seeing those black shoes white pants in in a rose bowl game 
I'm very excited to see the uniforms in this one. I think it could be a really pretty matchup and, and some of the best uniform sets in all of college football, in the best stadium in all of college football, in the best game of all of college football. Man, how does it get better than this? Even I, The more I talk about it, I know the playoff games matter more, so to speak, but there's just something about this Rose Bowl, this matchup that tugs at my heartstrings, Reed, and I cannot wait to see it. I'm right there with you, and I think in this game – you know, I I don't know which color each team's going to be wearing. I think the best possible uniform matchup would be if Penn State was in the home blue jerseys and Utah wore the exact same white jerseys yep. with a kind of special I font agree. like they did last year. Um, but I think even if Penn State's in all white, Utah's wearing black or red, it could look great. I'm with you I on Penn State, have it looks right to see them wearing these in the Rose Bowl because I kind of, you know, I get on people who say Penn State have amazing uniforms just because of the tradition. Because, um, I, I mean, quite frankly, as, as traditional as they are, they're boring. Um, but yeah. I think in a game like this, you know, it, it, it does look good. So that's, I'm going to have, have a split uniform matchup of the week. It could be that one, or it could be the rely quest bowl between Mississippi state and Illinois. First of all, and that I'll say the rely quest bowl has possibly the worst logo of a bowl game. I mean, in addition to being a bad name, it has a terrible logo. Bring back the blooming onion. It's, it's just this awful is, to the it, people in our audience who don't know. This is what used to be the Outback bowl. Yes, and 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 the logo just lacks any kind of um, inspiration at all. It's just awful. I don't even know but what ReliQuest is. I don't. I don't either. I don't know if I ever want to find out, frankly. But um, in this game, you know, in, in addition to the fact that I think Illinois has and Mississippi State just have great uniforms in general, I think we could see. Uh, you know, Illinois is listed as the away team, so I believe Mississippi State will probably be wearing their maroon jerseys hopefully some gray pants i like that color combination illinois will probably go with a white and orange combination um you know with the tragic passing of mike leach something we haven't gotten to talk about on this show yet because it's heartbreaking been so long since we've since we made an episode first of all our condolences go to the leach family and uh you know everybody involved in mississippi state yep. um there'll probably be some kind of tribute to him on the jersey whether that's uh, you know a patch or a sticker on the helmet or maybe a special logo i don't know uh, whatever it is i i think the uniforms of this game will look great. And I think whatever tribute they come up with will probably be um, pretty good as well. So that'll be, that'll be a split uniform matchup of the week for me. Definitely worth mentioning there. I, I think it could potentially be good Reed. Uh I know this is something we used to do on the show and I'm going to bring it up right now. Surprise you a little bit. The trivia question. This isn't something <laughs> we've done in a while. This week's trivia question, Reed. What is ReliaQuest? That is a really good question. Let's guess. I, I have never looked this up. I mean, I'm going to look this up in a minute right after, but I'm going to guess right now um, that they it's some kind of mortgage company or some kind of financial. Uh, I'll go with a mortgage company. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say it's like a a, a lender of some sort. Like... Although the name Quest kind of makes it seem like maybe it has something to do with traveling. Maybe it's a, actually I'm going to change to a travel insurance agency. I was going to say, I was going to say like home mortgage, like refinancing something like that i don't know something why like that but you gotta have someone reliable to finance your home all right let's look this up i'm guessing Rely Rely Quest. my we're official not guess is travel we're not, agent we're not sponsored insurance. by ReliQuest. feel like i should mention that we're just uh fans of their bowl game this is hilarious you look up ReliQuest and it says uh and it suggested ReliQuest bowl for me instead of just ReliQuest. uh let's see it says ReliQuest, a cybersecurity company would not have guessed that um okay that <laughs> yeah they uh it's it's there's no real what is rely it says why rely quest doesn't quite say what it is but it, it does say cybersecurity. so um yeah i guess rely that that's good um you know you, you, you want to be reliable um i certainly if you're a cyber security reliable company. internet security 
Absolutely. So that's what Relia Quest is. That's our first and ten trivia question of the week. Uh, hopefully, you all guess better than myself and Reed Murray did. Yeah, you know you can't win them all. You can't win, you them, can't all, win them all, but I, but I think I think we put in some good <laughs> guesses, some educated guesses. We did put in some educated guesses, and I can go home happy with that. All right, quick break right here. Uh, we're gonna get back and talk about our games of the week and give our score predictions. We will be right back on the first and ten, so stay tuned. Until then. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into the rest of our bowl season preview. All right, Reed, first things first, we've got some games of the week. The Sickos game of the week is the first thing we have to talk about. And it's Iowa, Kentucky, and it's not close. I'm not even going to pretend to give some some preamble like I usually do. Uh, try and make the readers, listeners, whatever, guess what this is going to be. Because this one feels pretty cut and dry to me. These are two offenses that all season long have been just absolutely nasty. I know uh, Kentucky's had this. Uh, guy Will Levis, of course, we all remember at Penn State, who uh, is supposed to be this big NFL prospect, and he hasn't really had a great season. Hopefully, he pans out in the NFL, especially if he's the quarterback for my Indianapolis Colts going forward, which is entirely possible. Uh, but the Kentucky offense has been terrible. They fired their offensive coordinator. It did bring in Devin Leary out of the transfer portal to be their quarterback next season, but that's next season, not right now. And Iowa's offense is Iowa's offense. Do we even have to say it? They've got a quarterback coming in next season the transfer portal too in Cade McNamara, who could potentially change things, but that's next season. Right now, looking at these offenses this season, they're both absolutely putrid. And seeing these two teams play in a bowl game like we did, oh, I don't know, Reed, does this matchup feel familiar to you? <laughs> this one anywhere? Yeah, I mean, last season this game... Um, <laughs> Literally was, a year ago. You know... It was. It, it did come down to the wire. I'll give them that. It, 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 it had a, a fun finish. Year, and I could see it being close this year, but exciting it will not be because these two offenses are just both so inept, especially when you factor in opt-outs like Will Levis, uh, changing coordinators, things like that. Something Iowa didn't do is change coordinators, and I think their fans have issue with that. But right now, this feels like it could be a very, very sleepy, I, I think is the best term for it, game in the Ville in Reed Murray's hometown at Nissan Stadium in the Transfer Music City Bowl. Yeah, this is um you know one of another this is another Music City Bowl I won't be attending. I haven't attended one since Mississippi State played Wake Forest there in mm. about 2010 or so. Um and you know there have been some Music City Bowls that I wish I was there for. I don't think this is going to be one of them. I think yeah. I will gladly be absent from this one. An over under of 31 read. That's uh Yikes. That's very low. It's very, Yikes. very, very low. Uh, but we'll predict it when we get into our predictions. Speaking of predictions, we're going to get into our score predictions right now. And we're going to start it off with our favorite game. It's our game of the week. Penn State, Utah, Rose Bowl, 5 o'clock Eastern time, 2 o'clock Pacific. We'll see the sunset over the mountains in Pasadena. Utah is a two and a half point favorite over Penn State, over under 52 and a half. Man, I just can't wait for this game. And I know I've said it a number of times. I feel like a kid on Christmas, Reed, waiting for January 2nd. This game is going to be such a blast. I can see this one going very similarly to Utah, Ohio State last year. Maybe not in the sense of Utah getting out to a huge lead early in Ohio State or the, in the Big Ten team chipping away at it, eventually coming back. But 
I think this could be more of a blow for blow, heavyweight battle, high scoring matchup. Right now, the way I see it, I see Utah as the team to, to beat in this game, particularly with uh with, with right now what I've what I've seen out of Penn State. I, I think that you know with, with opt-outs like Joey Porter, Parker Washington, neither of those guys being available, that could hurt him. But right now, what I've seen from Utah more more specifically. They're playing their best football right now, especially after what they did to USC. I like the Utes in this one, 45-42 read. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think they've got revenge on their minds, and I think that their fans are going to show up and show out because last year, <laughs> I think they outnumbered Ohio State fans in Pasadena, which is crazy to say. Uh, now that they've had a taste of it and they're ready to go back and, and get that Rose Bowl win, I think Ute fans are going to be loud. I think they're going to be crazy, and I think they're going to win this game. I think this one is going to play similarly to the game last season. Um, I think I the same way. Cool. <laughs> whether Utah wins or not, I think it will be a really close game. We, you know, Utah this season has kind of boy, wouldn't that be the exact if Utah to lose like that twice in a row? Yeah, that that, yeah. that would really be unfortunate, especially for, for a fan but, base like Utah, where I think they value the Rose Bowl the way that a lot of the you know the the big big brands of the Big Ten, the Michigan's, Ohio States don't really value the Rose bowl as much as some of the middle-class, lower-class teams, in the big 10. I, I assume it's the same in the pack 12 where Oregon USC, the goal is we have to get to the playoff, not let's get to the Rose bowl. Utah really does value the Rose bowl. It, it seems like at least their fans really do care about this game and, and see it as the pinnacle of the sport. And I respect that. So for their sake, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be very locked in on this game. Continue though, Reed. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, no worries. Um, you know, I think Utah this season has followed the exact same trend they did last year where they uh-huh. start off the year not the best, and then they really start to heat up at the end of the year. And, of course, you know, they won the Pac-12. In two years in a row, they, they won the Pac-12 in the Pac-12 championship against the team they had already beaten earlier in the season. So, you know, really things are aligning similarly. They go to another Rose Bowl. Um, so I think regardless of whether they win or not, they will play a great game, and it's going to be – they're going to give Penn State – a heck of a run for their money, even if they don't win. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's also, I think it's about 50, 50 on who wins this one. Um, and I think another thing on with, with how exciting this game is um, I think this is why as much as people debate the pros and cons of the 12 team playoff games like this are going to happen more often in the 12 team playoff. And mm-hmm. some will say, Oh, well, they were already happening. It's called the new year six. Yes. But in the new year six, there's lots of opt-outs. There'll be fewer and fewer, if not, you know, no opt-outs in the new playoff because, you know, that's what you tend to see. If the team's in the playoff, they're competing for national championship. Okay, we're not opting out. That's kind of how the, the general etiquette uh, of the elite programs that are in the playoff, I think that will carry on. So I think we're going to see even more of these matchups. And, you know, I, I, we haven't seen many opt-outs in this one. It should be a relatively, um, Still you a, know. a pair of big ones with Joey Porter and Parker Washington that I think can totally change the calculus for Penn State on both sides of the ball. That's true. But but I, I still do think, you know, you're seeing for the most part, um, I mean, I, unless I'm, I'm unless I've missed – um cam rising of utah you know both starting quarterbacks will be playing in this game and i um, think that's probably because neither of these starting quarterbacks have huge nfl aspirations and also yeah. that penn state's a very young team and and that's why i think they're going to be hungry to win this game because uh yeah a lot lack of opt-outs two big ones for penn state but other than that they're they're big players for me singleton and allen on on the offensive side of the ball they're freshmen they can't opt out. Right. Um, but, you know, r- whatever the, the reasons are for, for why there are no opt-outs, I mean, 
that, or they're not no opt-outs. Whether there are fewer opt-outs, still there still people. are fewer. Yeah. And I think the stakes in this game are pretty high because, like you said, Utah values the Rose Bowl a lot. I think Penn State still does as well, as much as I they want to strive so. for the playoff. They yeah. they value this, and it's also true. It's it's always said that winning a bowl game is a is a great thing to set the tone for next season. And Penn State with such a young team that that has such great potential for the future to reach higher heights in the next year yes. or two. Winning, not only winning a bowl game, but a bowl game this big would be huge. So I think the stakes and the players in the field, for the most part, are here for this one. And so I think this really mirrors a lot of what we're going to see in the 12-team playoff. And I think that's great because this is going. This this looks like beforehand one of the uh, best bowl games on the slate. But all that you got all the makings for a classic. Yeah. Yes, I think this one will be close. I, I really can't tell you with full confidence who the winner will be. I'm going to side with Penn State here. Um, and, and I'm going to give them a really close win. I'm saying Penn State 41, Utah 38. I think it goes really similarly to last year's Utah, Ohio State Rose Bowl. And unfortunately for Utah, I think it ends with the same result of a heartbreaking three-point loss. But hey, that there's still two time, you know, even if that happens, they, they still will have won their conference two years in a row. And that's no simple feat, especially with this year's USC team. So I, I think uh, I think Utah might go home heartbroken here, but I think they have every every ability to to go and win a huge Rose Bowl that would mean so much to the program absolutely Reed. i'm with you every every bit of the way there should be a heck of a ball game in pasadena let's get into the rest of our bowls here now all right first ones first Reed. outside of that game which you know for good reason i think it's going to dominate the non-playoff discourse in the big 10 first game we've got here wisconsin oklahoma state the first game of bowl season of the big 10 Two days after Christmas, Tuesday, December 27th, a 10-15 kickoff, second straight Big Ten after dark game for Wisconsin in bowl season last year in the Las Vegas Bowl. They had a kickoff after 10 p.m. Eastern. This one, another late one, Wisconsin three-and-a-half-point favorites at the home of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Chase Field in the guaranteed rate bowl. I don't like either of these teams a whole lot right now, Reed. Oklahoma State had a really good start to the season and then got ice cold down the stretch. Wisconsin was really iffy week to week. It's almost a surprise they made a bowl game at all. I think credit to Jim Leonard for writing the ship there. Obviously, he didn't get the job, and it's remaining to be seen if he'll get a job at all this coaching cycle. But really, I don't know how much I, I like either of these two teams in this game. I don't think it's going to be a very good game. You know, just all things considered, I, I don't like either team very much. Uh, Wisconsin, of course, isn't going to have their quarterback. Graham Mertz hit the transfer portal since we hit, we recorded our last podcast. Uh, we we don't know where Graham Mertz is transferring, by the way. There have been some rumors about Kentucky and Florida getting Graham Mertz. And I think outside of really what's been a nasty Wisconsin offense forever, Graham Mertz has a chance to shine somewhere. But Without Graham Mertz at quarterback, assuming he doesn't, I don't think he's going to play in the games. He's in the transfer portal. I, I guess he theoretically could. Jack Tuttle was in the portal and played a game for Indiana <laughs> against uh, Penn State, but now he's heading to Michigan. Different issue. Um, I don't love this this matchup. I, I think on paper, just looking at the brands, and you see ten fifteen at night. That's kind of attractive because, yeah, you know, hey, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, great brands, traditionally very good teams. But for the bulk of this season, these two teams have been borderline unwatchable. I don't think it's going to be a great game. With that being said, Wisconsin's got more talent. Wisconsin's been in better form. I've got the Badgers winning this one 21-17 out in the desert. 
You know, this one's fascinating because, I mean, you know, you said he seems to be borderline unwatchable for the bulk of the season. With Oklahoma State, it's kind of odd because in the beginning of the season, I mean, at, at one point I had them, top I think, team. I had them, I think, three in the country at one point. Then all of a sudden, you know, they, they lose one game to TCU in overtime. Then they beat Texas the next week. But a 48 nothing loss to Kansas State just set Oklahoma <laughs> State completely off the rails. <laughs> and they've just been a shell of themselves since. I, I think it's just fascinating to see the the way this Oklahoma State team has, has taken a turn for the worst. I don't know if they can get back on track against Wisconsin this bowl game. I'm not confident in them because, you know, they've taken some rough losses to Kansas, Oklahoma, and West Virginia down the stretch after, of course, that 48 nothing loss. Um, uh-huh. And the only win they got was a squeak by a, a really poor Iowa State team. So, you know, this one's fascinating. And I think Wisconsin has been another kind of team that's hard to predict and, and hard to, to read this season. I still like the Badgers, too. Um, and I, I and, and Jim Leonard, I, I really would be surprised if he was not getting offers or if he doesn't get an offer at all for a head coaching job somewhere, you know, whether that's in the group of five or wherever. Um, I think I, I would be surprised, especially if you're one of the group of five programs losing uh, your head coach, like maybe a coastal Carolina or, or any of these programs where maybe their coach is leveling up after a good season. I think Jim Leonard completely has the capability to coach a team like that. So I think if he doesn't take one of those jobs, it's probably by his own choice more than anything else, but who knows? I, I'm not an expert on, on coaching hires. All of this being said back to the actual football game. I think Wisconsin wins a close one. I'm taking the Badgers 21, 17. Same score prediction, Reed. I like that. Yep. Very fun. All right. Next game. Thursday, December 29th, uh, an afternoon kick, 2 p.m. on ESPN. It's Syracuse and Minnesota at Yankee Stadium, home of the New York Yankees and the Bronx. Gophers, 10-point favorites over Syracuse. And the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, a new name on it, No Longer New Era, which I thought was a fun sponsor since it's in a baseball park and they make the MLB hats. Now it's the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. They used to do the Gasparilla Bowl now. Uh, well, somebody's got to mow the outfield at, at the stadium, I, I suppose. So why not, bad boy? Gophers, big favorites here. But I think this one could end up being pretty close, Reed. I don't love either of these two offenses. I think it'll be low scoring. But I think it'll be close. I still think this is a well-coached team with Dino Babers. And uh, they're going to have a pretty significant home field advantage playing in, in their home state. And, and uh, big Syracuse alumni base in New York City should turn out for this one. Going to be cold. Going to be miserable, but Minnesota likes it that way. Syracuse, I would say the same thing because it's cold up there, but they play in a dome. So, uh, hey, I know it's a thing in the NFL in the postseason about dome teams having to play on the road outside being an issue, but here in college football, I don't know. Could be worth testing. Not a whole lot of dome teams in the sport anyway. So uh, could could be an interesting storyline there, but they'll have a significant home field advantage in terms of crowd. I think even at one point, Syracuse had advertisements in Yankee Stadium at, at some point. I don't think they do anymore, but uh, I, I remember you used to watch like Yankee games on TV and you'd see it. So, yeah, that was a thing at one point. But uh, in this game, I've got the Gophers winning it 24-17 over Syracuse. That's my pick. Read what you got. I think this is one where I, I think the 10-point spread is a little bit crazy um, in favor of Minnesota. I mean, I think they could win by 10-plus, but I, I just – I think that is a spread. That's a little bit, um, a little bit overconfident in them, if you ask me. I still think Minnesota wins, really, for the reasons I pointed out for my what to watch for. I think the Ibrahim is really going to come alive in this one. Not that he hasn't been alive lately, but I think he will be the real X factor in this game. I'm going to say Gophers twenty eight twenty one. 
Both of us have a touchdown game here. Should be a pretty decent contest, particularly for a Thursday afternoon. All right, next game here. Maryland, NC State, a pair of teams who, uh, well, Maryland overachieved this season. NC State, a lot of people said they were a playoff team coming to the year. They underachieved a little bit. They're meeting the Dukes Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina, an old-school ACC battle. Maryland, of course, came to the Big Ten just under a decade ago at this point, but a pair of teams who certainly have a bit of history together. Not too far from Maryland either in Charlotte, North Carolina, Bank of America Stadium, home of the Carolina Panthers and MLS's Charlotte FC. Winning coaches both said they'll take a mayo bath if they win this game. No Dennis or Dennis Leary actor. No Devin Leary for uh, <laughs> NC State. He's in the transfer portal, committed to Kentucky. Seems like everybody but Jarrett should be playing for Maryland. Still think this is going to be a good game. Friday, December thirtieth, my parents' anniversary. Noon kick, ESPN. It should be a pretty significant home field advantage for NC State, and I think that's going to be what makes the difference uh, in terms of making this game close versus not close because, well, it is still a one-point spread. I think Maryland's a more talented team without Leary out there for NC State. Home field advantage is going to help NC State make that a little closer. With that being said, the amount of talent Maryland's got on this team when healthy, even without Jared out there, is crazy. I just like this Maryland offense a lot, and I have all season long. I've got the Terps winning this one 34-28. I'm actually going with NC State on this one, and I, I think I love the fact that this is an old-school ACC matchup. I think that, um, you know, Maryland, not necessarily NC State, but generally Maryland should play more ACC teams out of conference, particularly Virginia and Duke. I think that would be fun, and they should definitely play them in basketball more often than they do. Um you know, I like seeing old matchups like that being preserved. So I think this is going to be a fun little blast from the past. I like NC State, despite the fact that Leary's gone. Um, you know, part of me wants to go with Maryland because they had such a good bowl game last year. And I think they, like you said, you know, Jared's not there, but they still have a lot of talent. Um, I don't know. There's just kind of something telling me. I can't quite put my finger on it, telling me that Maryland's not going to come away with this one. Maybe it's the home field advantage for NC State. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. But I'm going to go with the Wolfpack, 31-24. Yeah, I think this should be a good game, Reed. I'm, I'm very excited for this one. And, uh, again, winning coach will be doused in Mayo, so keep an eye on that. The only thing that sounds worse than being doused in Mayo, if you ask me, is watching Iowa play Kentucky, which is what we'll have to do <laughs> in this year's trans-perfect Music City Bowl. Iowa, Kentucky, Nashville, Tennessee, home of Reed Murray Nissan Stadium, home of the Tennessee Titans, home of Tennessee State as well. Reed, this is going to be an awful game. I don't even know how much more I have to say it. It's a disgrace to your wonderful city, a city I love dearly. It's a disgrace to the sport of football. I was a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but I thought that was the over-under. I've got <laughs> Iowa winning this one 17-14 over UK. Yeah, I mean, this game, it, it may be more low-scoring than some of the Nashville SC games I used to watch at that stadium, quite frankly, but – uh no, in all seriousness, I think this game um, will go Iowa's way, despite the fact they lost Nebraska. They were kind of starting to heat up at the end of the year. I'm saying Hawkeyes 24-14. Uh, um, don't watch this game unless you're flipping channels. It's the fourth quarter and it's a close one, because otherwise you're going to be turned off from the sport of football forever. Yeah, this is not a – every game out there is probably someone's first, right? Um, this would be a terrible first game and a terrible introduction oh, yeah. to the sport. Can't imagine uh, why anybody who's not a fan of either of these two teams would waste 
a beautiful Saturday afternoon, a New Year's Eve on this game. New Year's Eve, we've also got the college football playoff, but we talked about those in a separate episode. You'll hear those soon enough. Stay tuned again to our feed for that. But Monday, January 2nd, nothing on New Year's Day since it's a Sunday this year. January 2nd, first one, the ReliaQuest Bowl, sponsored by everybody's favorites, internet digital security company, ReliaQuest in Tampa, Florida, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and USF, Raymond James Stadium. It's Illinois and Mississippi State. Uh, Illinois are one-point favorites. Uh, of course, Mississippi State tragically lost head coach Mike Leach uh, just recently. Uh, a heartbreaking development, seriously. Our hearts, our thoughts, our prayers go out to his family, to the Starkville community, to everyone around the sport and around the world who knew this guy because he was a beloved figure and he will be deeply missed. And with that being said, I think Mississippi State are going to lay it all on the line for him. I think they're going to play with full hearts, and I think they're going to win it for him. I've got Mississippi State winning this game, the ReliaQuest Bowl, the former Outback Bowl, 27-24 over Illinois. Reed, what do you think here? I think this is one that Mississippi State would win anyway. Um, I think it, it would be a good game, um, you know, without any of the you know, emotional factors in. Like I said, though, I think Mississippi State would still come up victorious. I think when you factor in the fact that these players have all just lost a head coach and, you know, I do think there's going to be a little bit of extra fight in them. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to propel Mississippi State to a victory. I'm saying 35-17 Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm with you there, Reed. I've got Mississippi State. But one thing I think we need to mention before we move on here, Illinois today gave Brett Bielema a new six-year contract. Huge extension for him. He got a big raise. You know, usually I'd say well-deserved. You, you've earned it, man. Congrats. Like I said for Mel Tucker, like I said for Tom Allen, like I said for Pat Fitzgerald. But think about those three examples real quick. Mel Tucker, Tom Allen, Pat hmm. Fitzgerald. What do they have in common? They all very much have underachieved the last year or two. And that's why I think Illinois, obviously, gave out the extension. And I'm not going to say it wasn't deserved for the season Illinois had this year. But, man, that's a dangerous game to play when you look at other Big Ten coaches who have had similar surprise success seasons and then turn around and, and really not lived up to their contract and, and kind of been flukes with Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan state, all certainly disappointing this season to varying degrees. Uh, none of those teams exceeded expectations, but I think it's a bit of a dangerous extension to give out, but uh, I'm not going to say he didn't deserve it from what he did this year, but one good season should never be enough reason to give someone a, a truly huge extension like that. Reed, I, I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah. I, I mean, to be fair last year, even though Illinois didn't have the greatest record, there were some clear signs of improvement in that program. <clears throat> so, you know, th this one's a little tough because I think, you know, if you're Illinois, you, you kind of have to reward him for having the best season in many years. Um, but it definitely could backfire, you know, six years, that's a long time. And, um, you know, it, like, it, we, like we said, like you said, we, we've seen it fail, um, with teams in the big 10 before. And, you know, it's, it's never good when you have to pay an expensive buyout, get rid of a coach, uh, where it's not work where you're either, you're stuck either, you know, playing, losing football or losing a lot of money, uh, to buy out his contract. So I think that's definitely a risk for Illinois, but you know, I, I, I do like what Bielema's been cooking. And, you know, I think it, it will be a little bit tougher um, when the Big Ten West no longer exists following next season. Um, I, you know, I would say if, if the USC-UCLA move wasn't coming and if divisions weren't being 
disbanded soon, that this would be, you know, really good because he can succeed in the Big Ten West and consistently, you know, push for Big Ten title game appearances. That's not going to be a thing as much in the future. So, you know, it's a risky move, but it's one that I think Illinois overall, all things considered, is in the right for doing. Yeah, and I think we'll see what happens. But, we, hey, we've seen it recently, man. Some of these extensions can really backfire. I, I think right now Indiana, Michigan State, and Northwestern are all wishing uh, that they could have a little bit of their money back. But who knows? The alternative is losing your coach after a successful season. So who knows what is going to happen? All right. Next game here, same day. Uh, last game we've got to talk about too, and one we'll, we'll have a little bit extra to, to mention with a, a move Purdue just made, but it's Purdue and LSU in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl, new sponsor there, Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, home of no teams, which I have been, you know, a trend I've mentioned is home of this team, home of that team. No, no, uh, <laughs> no teams uh, are, are in this stadium. It is used exclusively for the Citrus Bowl and other random events held there. Reed, I believe you went to a soccer game in the stadium last year, earlier this year. I did. I saw I saw Arsenal defeat Chelsea four 0 It was beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I believe the only team to play in this stadium since it was erected as, as a true home was Orlando City, who played there for a season or two before Exploria Stadium was built. So yeah, fascinating kind of event XFL. only stadium. Maybe it was using the X, not the new XFL, but the old XFL. It was no. I if you're thinking of the Alliance, uh, the Orlando Apollo. No, 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 no. no. I'm not thinking of the Alliance. I'm thinking of the XFL okay. from 20 years ago. Oh, okay. But I think even then, I think that might they might have played in the old Citrus Bowl. But I think they they tore down the old Citrus Bowl stadium and, and made Camping World Stadium. So, um, it's rarely. So used I, I consider them the making here. Is yeah, this, it's, it's it's an odd venue for like occasional concerts. I know Paul McCartney played there this year of all people. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, you, you know, this as well as I do. WrestleMania we, we both seen, SummerSlam or some big WWE event was there. Yeah. We've both seen games at the stadium. I, I wasn't impressed by it. It's not the best facility. Um, you know, I, I think you feel the same on that one. I thought the stadium was a dump the one time I went there and the time I went there. Uh, let's talk about some connections for the citrus bowl read. LSU's playing Purdue. The time I went to the Citrus Bowl, it was the 2017-18 season. January 1st of 18, the game was played. LSU against Notre Dame. My cousin Danny was playing for LSU that day against Brian Kelly's Notre Dame. Now, Brian Kelly's the coach at LSU. My cousin Danny also played at Purdue, who's playing LSU in this game. So, full circle there, the Danny Bowl, if you want to call it that, uh, with with LSU playing Purdue. So, a lot, lot of connections there. Very, very much uh, feels like a, a sort of matchup we've seen before if you if you squint a, a, a bit. Uh, but LSU-Notre Dame is not the game we've got here. We've got LSU-Purdue. And for the Boilers right now, a team who made a surprise run to the Big Ten Championship, LSU did the same thing, winning the SEC West by just about complete shock and, and losing by a lot to Georgia in that game. Uh, Purdue did the same thing to Michigan, of course. Right now, this looks like Purdue could be in huge trouble because the Boilers are going to be without a number of key players. Well, first of all, they're without head coach Jeff Brom, who took the Louisville job just now. Um, They're also going to be without several starters, including quarterback Aiden O'Connell, tight end Payne Durham, uh, wide receiver Charlie Jones, and uh, and more, like... <laughs> 
This is going to be a really, really, really light Purdue team. LSU are 14-point favorites, and I don't even think that's enough. This is a Purdue team. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I'd say Brady Allen should be the quarterback, but who knows what it's going to be. They could trot out a, a more experienced player. But uh, I would say why not play Brady Allen, the freshman, let him, you know, kind of get get some experience because he's going to be the starter next year in all likelihood. Uh, but right now, Purdue looks like they could be just completely crushed in this game. LSU is going to have most of their guys out there. I've got the Tigers winning this one by a lot, Reed. I've got 41 to 20 LSU. I think this is one where, you know, I think Purdue's not going to look great, all things considered. I think LSU should win by a lot, but I think it's also important to consider. I could see LSU kind of putting out a performance akin to the um, the Florida performance against Oklahoma and I want to say the Cotton Bowl in 2020 when Florida had just, you know, Florida had just given – Alabama serious run for its money in the SEC championship game then just looked flat in the bowl game you know it's a little bit different LSU didn't give Georgia too much of a run for its money um, but instead you know they, they had some great games down the stretch to end the season I could see them coming out a little bit dead in this game because Purdue's not a very difficult opponent um, all things considered and, and I think that LSU is kind of a you know a rank above them so I think it, it it could be close more by fault of LSU than by success of Purdue, but I think LSU eventually pulls away in this one and makes it not particularly close. I'm saying Tigers 34-13 is my final score. Yeah, this one feels like it's going to be a blowout. Not feeling much like this is going to be a close game, especially with all the guys Purdue's missing. But, hey, maybe this ragtag bunch of boilers can shock the world. I'd certainly be shocked for one. One more note with Purdue here. We mentioned Jeff Brom left for Louisville, and they hired a new head coach. They hired Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator, as their head coach. He's young. Illinois' defense has been awesome. I think this is a great hire, and I think he has to prove it as a head coach, but I love the energy he he can bring to a team, and I love the the schematics he had at Illinois. I really think that was a well-run defense that certainly punched above its weight more often than not in the Big Ten. Now, the, the questions I had were this, were, Purdue's not been a defensive team under Jeff Brom. They weren't. And I felt like they'd kind of worn out their welcome under Jeff Brom in, in a certain way of like, we know what we're going to get every time and they're never going to have the defense to actually compete in the Big Ten. Now, if Ryan Walters can, can coach the way he likes to coach, it feels like they can have the defense they like in the Big Ten. And, and I think that's huge for them. Uh, if Purdue can become a better defensive team, that changes the calculus for them going forward. And the other thing I do like here is that okay, well, you, you've got the defensive head coach, but what's the offense going to look like? Because you have to play some offense at a certain point. They had Graham Harrell, the former Texas Tech quarterback and USC offensive coordinator as their OC. He was a hot name at USC. Uh, he was at West Virginia for a year. Now he's headed to Purdue. I like the air raid system he runs. I really think that that paired with uh, potentially a really good defense could be a, a really good combination for Purdue. I think this is a great pair of hires to go together. An air raid with a great defense seems hard to beat. So um, I think Purdue could be set up for years to come. This honestly is something I'm even more confident in than if Jeff Brom had stayed on board, which sounds crazy to say. Yeah, I mean, Brom has kind of had his moments at, at Purdue. You know, gotten some big upset wins, but I don't think Brom was ever the one to take Purdue too far 
you know, above and beyond. I think Walters, like you said, definitely has a lot to prove. We can't say that it's just set in stone that this is going to be a, a stupendous hire, but I think he definitely has that potential um, to reach the heights that, that Purdue may want to reach. Um, I love this hire as well. I, I think, you know, he's, he, he's got a lot of ambition and um, I, I also love the fact that, you know, Purdue has added Drew Brees to the coaching staff. That's, yeah, at least for the bowl game, Drew Brees is a, an assistant for Purdue. Yeah, and I mean, whether that's going to be a, a long-term thing or not, who knows? But I think just the fact that he is involved in the program and, you know, I think it's big. You know, you have, I mean, he's really one of the greatest football players of all time. Definitely one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So, you know, people forget he went to Purdue. I mean, keeping keeping him around, keeping him in the program, making him a familiar face to the players and potentially recruits could be huge. Um, so I, I think Purdue just generally is kind of making the right decisions and moving toward the right direction. Um, you know, I, I still don't think they're going to win this bowl game or look good in this particular game, but generally I like what the program is doing. I do too. I definitely do. Feels like a big hire for them. And, and if nothing else, I think that can just develop some huge uh, momentum with recruits and it, it's cool for them. I'm with you on that. All right, Reed, nothing else for us here. Um, Later in the week, please stay tuned for our Big Ten college football playoff preview episodes. We've got Michigan and TCU, Ohio State and Georgia. Pair of big games across the conference in the college football playoff across the country. One in Arizona, one in Atlanta. Should be a lot of fun there on those. But, Reed, before we go here, any more thoughts on the rest of bowl season? Um, I mean, just once again, I think this Penn State-Utah game is going to be a classic. That's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. And I don't know how many bowls or, or what my bowl watching schedule is going to look like in England, but I think I'm going – obviously, I'm going to watch the Ohio State playoff game. I'm thinking I'm going to try to make an extra effort to, to get that Rose Bowl on uh, somehow, some way. Yeah, you've got to watch it, man. It's going to be a fun game. And worst-case scenario, you find a replay and watch it on the plane back from England. Because if you forget, Reed's going to be overseas. I don't know if we've mentioned that on the show. so. Uh, definitely going to make it a little bit more difficult to watch college football, but Reed finds a way. He always does. Should be a fun couple weeks. Reed, thanks for doing this as always. Thank you for listening. Have yourselves a great bowl season, and we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye.